Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. We are here for another episode of Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. And I'm excited about today's interview. Today, I've got Rob Stevens, who is the founder of CFO Perspective. Um, he provides finance and strategy resources for small businesses. So yeah, it's going to be incredibly valuable for a lot of you who are listening today. He's been quoted in Forbes, U.S. News and World Report, Bloomberg Business, and a lot of other resources. If you go to his website, which I know we're going to talk about, he's got a ton of incredible free tools. But the other thing I also hope he's going to talk a little bit about is he's the author of Conquering Cashflow, The Complete Guide to Small Business Cashflow Management. Um, and for all of you who run a small business or want to grow a business over time, what we all know is cash flow is king. So, Rob, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Yeah. So, Rob, I start every single one of my shows exactly the same. Um, it's a Saturday afternoon. I fired up the barbecue grill. I've invited a bunch of my friends over. My listeners are my friends. Will you introduce yourself to my friends, please? Sure, sure. Uh, if you started with that bio you just said, I'd be blushing a bit at the at this point. But uh, <laughs> I would, I would, I would start off then to balance it out and say, you know, I'm a husband of Kelly, uh, father of two wonderful girls who have uh, one's just graduated and becoming a teacher like our mom, and another one who's uh, in uh, school to be a, a doctor. Oh. And uh, and what keeps me entertained during the day is running CFO Perspective, where I provide strategic financial guidance and resources. You talked about some of those for small business owners and the people who support them, coaches, consultants, CPAs, mm -hmm. their support environment. I train those people too, to lead their company to profit, growth, and purpose. Oh, wow. Wow. So is that uh, my first, uh, maybe this is the answer to the question, but I want to give you space to like, what are you most passionate about right now? Definitely uh, what I'm most passionate about is helping people make better financial decisions. And I do that in, in two ways. One is outside of work. I do a lot of that with some uh, personal financial advice. Well, education, not advice. I'm not an advisor, uh, but helping people make good decisions. Even on my uh, YouTube channel, I've got a playlist of a course on how to do uh, smarter giving for mm. whatever causes you support. That was a labor of love right at the very beginning um, with this. Uh, but through during the day, like I talk about in through CFO perspective, here's where I can help small business owners. And after working in banking for two decades, watching, sitting on loan committee, 
sitting on loan workout committee, which is where you talk about the loans that aren't getting paid. <laughs> right. And uh, and had a collections department report to me at a two billion dollar organization. Um, you see the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm. And uh, there's lots of business owners that are so good at selling a product, at producing a product, at providing a service. I mean, that's what they know. And they start a business and um, think they can make a business out of it. And then they, they realize running a business is a bit more complicated. And, and those, those pesky accountants, those pesky other people that help support them at other companies, now they're that person. And so they have to learn to make those decisions and do that analysis. And, and, and you know, how do you make a good choice about whether to uh, invest in something or expand or how fast can you grow or how much cash do you have uh, until you run out of cash, until you need to find more cash? Those sorts of questions. Um, that's what I help small business owners uh, learn. I do that through education to make it very affordable for them or through uh educating their advisors, helping advisors better serve the people they're working with because they're doing their taxes or financial statements or something like that. That's, yeah, I like that a lot. It's definitely needed. Um, I was looking a little bit, on, I've been digging around on your website. And so interesting, you talk about, was your dad and your grandfather were both entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I was to go yeah. be a CPA. Yeah. So my joke is my grandfather was a small business owner. He owned a chainsaw shop in uh, Northern Idaho. Okay. Uh, my grandpa was a small business owner. He actually owned a technology company. And then I rebelled and became a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about them and maybe kind of growing up and watching them as small business owners has influenced and shaped kind of your passion around CFO perspective? Exactly. So, uh, great question. I uh, I started this business in some ways to help my dad and my grandpa. I mean, they're heroes to me. Uh, they were, I think, the world of both of them. And uh, so, my dad, when he started his business, just like I talked about, he started his career on the engineering side, then became a sales manager. And so he knew the sales, he knew how to work with the customers, where the deals were, how to make the product, how to design it, uh, where to get it manufactured, those sorts of things. Uh, but when he left, he took a course at the community college on accounting. And that was so he could learn how to run a business. And uh, and a story I, I don't tell a lot, but uh, early on, I was just starting college when he started his business. Okay. And one day, my mom came to me, actually, it wasn't my dad, it was my mom. And she said, hey, uh, your dad, he has this order that he needs to pay for of parts, but we're not going to be paid by the, he's not going to be paid by the client for a while. And so we need to borrow a little money to get us through. Cause I'd saved up a bunch. I was working a lot, saving up for college. Cause I was just starting college. So I'd actually had a pool of savings that I was going to use. I thought nothing of it, but that's, that is small business right there. It right. Is. I mean, it's just, yeah. how am I going to make payroll? How am I going to pay the supplier? And you get it from wherever you can. And uh, so that's that's what it's that when I first started, it was uh, thinking of these smallest companies of how to help them make better decisions because they can't afford a CFO. They can't afford to get that sort of guidance. And they, they may work with a bookkeeper at that point. Yeah, but that's not really strategic financial decision making. It's it's a survival mode at that point and just making sure there's money in the bank. And not deciding how should I use that money in the bank to build a business? Yeah. What? So you worked for, I mean, you were CPA, you worked for the big five, one of the big five. Right? I worked for one of the big four. I worked for EY in Seattle, correct. Okay. So you were for one of the big four. I would love to know a little bit more about the journey. So, I mean, I can see it beginning to be shaped here, but I mean, right. there's a career with the big four. 
Yes. Um, right. I mean, there's a lifetime, a lifestyle and a lifetime that you could have gone and done that. Yet you chose, although you said you didn't own a small business in one sense, you went and launched a small business longer term. What was it that really maybe lit the fire to start CFO Perspective? Right. And, and I mean, we're really talking about an arc of 25 years here between when I started at EY until I started at uh, started CFO perspective. And so to condense 25 years into something that's not going to put everyone to sleep <laughs> is I started at EY to get to build my knowledge. Okay. And it actually, when I left EY to come back to Spokane from Seattle, my dad asked me to join his company. Mm. And I said, you know, I, I think I need to um, keep working out there and learn. And partly because dad's, uh, every business has its own uh has its own trajectory and sure. how it's best run. His was definitely a cash cow. Uh, his was definitely take a, a, a aging technology and just clip the coupon, just collect the cash off of that until it slowly died off. And, and so he, he retired very gradually over time as the okay. technology that his company managed uh, wound down over time, those sorts of things. So I wasn't sure too, whether that was the long, you know, for someone who needed another 40, 50 years of career, whether that was my right, the best choice. So over those 25 years, over the 20 years after that, most of my career was in banking. Mm -hmm. uh, I also worked in nonprofits. I've worked for three nonprofits in my career, two, uh, two, uh, one during college, one right after college before Ernst & Young. And then mm -hmm. I was the CFO at a community health clinic system too. Okay. And so uh, I, I had a, a very a big interest in, in the types of companies that serve the community too and work, mm. and serving on boards because every board wants a CPA and an attorney. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was always the guy who like joins the board and on on day one and on day two, they make you treasure. So, <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, helping out in the community, those sorts of things. So what it, actually what happened was towards the end of my career, so I was mainly like a CFO, senior vice president of finance at banks over this time, credit unions to mm. director of operations at a bank. And like I said, I saw a lot going on with small businesses and I was getting a master's in personal financial planning and financial therapy and mm -hmm. a, a certificate in financial therapy. And I started thinking that a lot of these ideas that had uh, that were going on in personal financial planning of understanding um, some of the the tensions between uh, couples and how they manage money and things like that. That's just like what goes on with business owners. In fact, my dad, his business originally had three partners. It went down to one. Uh, and I'm sure there are all sorts of horror stories out there of business partners and struggles and things like that. So I thought, I, I think that's something I can, when you're a CFO, you, a lot of people think accounting is counting but it's accountable. It's you telling the story to the ownership of what's going on with their investment, what's going on with the, the company they have. And I've always thought my purpose at a company uh, is to serve the ownership. And some of the companies I worked at were family-owned businesses. And so mm -hmm. you're really helping the family prepare the business uh, for for different, some of the family worked in the business. Some of the family just needed cash from the business or preparing for uh, different things uh, that the family needed. And so you're cash flowing, you're cash flow planning for the company, but you're cash flow planning for the for the family too. Mm. And so these were all, so it all came together and, and I did my whole master's via Zoom. And this was before COVID. And I thought <laughs> this Zoom's going to change everything. This yeah. is going to be a way where we can serve small business owners all over the world 
and and I can do it really cheaply. No one has to go to each other's office. We can work together. We can look at the same thing at the same time. And I thought this is this is what I want to start poking around in. And that's how I started the company. And since then, it's it's wandered different ways too. And that's that's part of the path also. <laughs> Well then, I, I would love to. I'm, you, you started it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of continue. Yeah. Maybe what did you think it was gonna be when you launched it versus kind of where it's ended up and what it's doing today? Right, and and that's the that's the journey of every small business owner. And and I guess every time you start a business, I I say that the purpose of every business is to serve the owner. Yeah. And I, I always immediately have to say that's not just about. Uh, taking from others for your business or whatever. You have to serve customers and you have to serve your employees to, you have to provide value. They provide value to you. And that's really where business success lies. And so what I was building is I wanted to build a business where I had freedom of time and freedom of place. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where my girls were going to be someday after they finished college. I didn't know years from now uh, where grandkids may be someday. Right. Right. And my wife, she's a teacher. I love, I thought, you know, now that we're empty nesters, more flexibility to in the summers to take more time off and to travel or to spend time with her, just kayaking in the lakes around here. And so that was a big thing of what I was building my business for. Mm-hmm. So I started my business and I thought we'd be more consulting to the smallest of companies. And I, and you know, I feel like the 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 proverbial mouse in the maze, and I just would keep trying different things and and finding out what works in the market, what works for me. And you know, they talk about product market market fit, but there's kind of this owner market fit that has to occur. Yeah. And and the business has to find its way in the market, both to serve the clients or serve the customers and to serve the owner. And for me, over time, I found I really enjoyed the education piece of it. Mm. And and I teach, I also teach at Gonzaga University. I started that up. Uh, a year after I started the company, I, I just do one weekend class each semester. I do entrepreneurial finance, a small business, and I yeah. do behavioral finance uh, okay. for the finance department there, the MBA program. And and so that's really what I've, uh, it, my journey was finding, okay, maybe coaching and consulting like I first thought I would be doing and traveling maybe or doing, yep. that wasn't working. I felt like I could serve more people at a better price and, 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 at first, I thought I'd be working directly with the small business owners. And where I was finding a lot more interest wasn't from the owners themselves. It's from those coaches and advisors mm-hmm. that worked with them. Yeah. And I think, and 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 particularly because some of those coaches, they're very good at marketing coaching or leadership mm-hmm. coaching, but mm-hmm. they don't have some of the finance, the strategic financial background and want to just improve a little on that or better come at that or just someone to question you know, like budgeting advice or you know making sure i'm i'm doing this projection for this company correctly or something like that sometimes it's just someone just wants to have you look at it and say yeah you you're not completely you're you're on the right track you're going to be you're doing the right mm-hmm. thing to help make the decision and sometimes that's just people just want to check in really quickly on that so that's how it's evolved is much more of the education piece and not so much of the coaching and, and consulting i only have two two coaching clients right now and and that's just not where it's that I thought that was going to be the bread and butter and it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I love but I love how you kind of found that and have been able to live that out. I this may not be the right question so feel free to redirect me if it's not. I'm looking at this idea of value creation creation to leading to business success and something that you're really passionate about teaching. But the thing that's coming up for me especially as you made the comment about the coaches is I, who struggles with understanding that idea more? Do you find that that's an easier concept to get across to the owners 
of the businesses who are learning that? Or at times, sometimes coaches are so set in what they believe or what they want to teach. Do you struggle getting the coaches to buy into understanding the fact that value creation leads to business success? I think it's uh, the owners with small businesses. Okay. And, and, and I think they do it at their expense. I think they want to give value so much to their customers, so much to their clients, and they're concerned about charging for it. Mm. And, and, or they just spend so much time for the client and so much service and, and, um, and you hear about imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you hear about these other things where it's just like that, that voice in their head that says, I'm not worth it. And, and they don't see that person, that client, that customer right across from them, who is so thankful for what they're providing mm. and, uh, and really Value creation only works when you're being fair to both sides. And, you know, the, with larger companies, sometimes people feel like it's the big company at the expense of the customer. And I wonder with a lot of small businesses, if it's the customer at the expense of the small business owner, and that's truly the small business owner sabotaging their own potential there. And so I, that's one big area where I see an imbalance in the um, value the other thing I can see with small business owners too, when cash is, is really tight is with employees. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you can't make payroll or if you're struggling to make payroll, there's one paycheck you're going to hold on to, and that's yours as the business owner. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's making sure you're ready for that growth. You're ready for that investment. And, um, and so that when that growth does come, you can take care of everyone, including yourself. And once again, it's deciding with what you want to do with that cash flow. I think there's different types of business owners. Some business owners need a lot of cash from their business to, su to support their lifestyle. And other business owners want to just keep the money in the company to keep growing and growing and growing. And they can take the money later down the road, either through sale or once the company plateaus at a higher point and doesn't need this cash for growth all the time, then they can start taking the cash out at, at later in, in, in life in, in maybe retirement or something like that. And so those are those are different ways. I think there's value imbalances in all this exchange of value of small business owners, customers, and employees. Is the value creation of business success, is that the biggest gap that you see most business owners have that's keeping them from success? Or do you see other things that are maybe just as equal or more important than that? I, I think that the value creation concept that that's been a really hot concept. I, I, I wrote that article and went straight to one on Google and it's been lots of people check that thing out. It's a great concept. The nuts and bolts is cash flow, <laughs> <laughs> And so, so that's really getting to with a lot of small business owners is cash flow management. Mm. And, uh, and the other area I've had a lot of interest in is key performance indicators. There's mm -hmm. so much, I mean, we don't need another statistic. Uh, we have a million numbers we can pick from and, and I know what it's like to, to just chase this thing and that thing to see if it works, to try it and those sorts of things. And, and also, and, and it's really trying to, figure out the few key things to hold on to as you manage through all this to not get caught in the shiny object syndrome. It's like really what's going to drive this business forward. Now going circling back to the big gap by seeing cash flow, it's just not uh, having enough cash to start with. It takes mm -hmm. longer uh, to start a business than you'll ever, ever imagine. So just uh, st you have to start either with a good amount of cash or good ideas of how you're going to keep putting cash into it from other sources at the beginning there. 
And I think there's a lot of business owners that had great ideas and just not enough cash until that thing could start mm. taking off. Mm. And uh, the other thing I've talked about, I remember it was January right before COVID. And someone in the, and I was doing a talk for small business owners at a restaurant that was put on by a, a financial institution with their small business clients. And someone asked me, how much savings should I have? And I said, three to six months. And I thought, even when I said that, I thought, wow, you know, that just seems like so much cash. But, you know, two months later, the world shut down. And uh, there was a lot of cash that went through the economy to really yeah. prop things up. One, you can't count on that every time. And two, even if you could count on it, it took time to get into the into the hands of the small business owners. And so I think that's another thing is, is you want to put every dime into growth, every dime into investing in your company, but you have to pull back for the ups and downs in business. And, and sometimes it's not just defensive. It's sometimes the opportunities that you, that you just have no, uh, very little forewarning on, and you just have to have the cash to go, to buy and go to move forward in those opportunities. And I think that's another thing I've seen, um, with small business owners is, is some of that, just keeping a little bit of dry powder of cash, keeping a little savings to cushion you through the ups and downs. So keeping some cash on hand yes. um, because we don't know what's going to come or when another COVID or something like that. I can definitely see a lot of business owners, especially like, man, I could be doing something with that cash. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Small business owners have no, uh, there are deals everywhere. That's <laughs> right. Just laying all over the place and you just want to grab, 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 grab. And, uh, and we're prone to overconfidence, maybe, you know, no, maybe they aren't all as great as we think. That's right. That's right. What are a couple of kind of the low hanging, maybe one or two just quick ideas on the value creation side of things? Because you, you say, you know, put some cash on hand. That makes sense. What what are some things that are easy maybe to implement? Uh, maybe not easy, but maybe simple. What's the word I'm looking for there? Right. right. Yeah, I understand that. Uh once, once again, when I talk about value creation and, and let's talk about pricing, I okay. think pricing is really where the rubber meets the road on value creation. And what I was talking about okay. is really charging, really looking in the market to see market rates and, and not being way below that, but charging for what it takes and really thinking about how long does it take me to provide this? And, and I have to cover all my costs. I have to cover my people. I have to cover me. I have to pay for, uh, the, the overhead of the company. And so at the end of the day, what I charge to put that into the market has to cover all those things for this business to work long term. Mm -hmm. And so it's understanding what your costs are, understanding what that pricing needs to be. And not just because it's your cost structure and you have to cover it because the market doesn't care about that, but making sure that you're being fair, that you really are charging what your value is in the market mm -hmm. out there. And when it comes to pricing and talking with clients, that gets into communication. Mm -hmm. And so pricing is a form of communication too. And there's, there's different ways you can, a lot of people just compare price to price, but you know, it's price. It, you talk about value creation it's price for value. And we have a hard time. Uh, we have a hard time maybe sometimes seeing the value on that. And so it's helping that's getting into marketing a bit, which is not my specialty, but mm -hmm. that is in the, in the value exchange is really explaining all the things you get and being, confident enough to charge for those things. And with employees, it's being really clear on everything you provide for employees because it's easy to take things for granted. And, mm -hmm. you know, once we have it for a while, we, we tend to think things for, 
once we once we get something new, it feels good for a while. But then, you know, that raise or that whatever, getting the job, then getting the raise and they make us happy for a little bit. But then we kind of get uh, get back into a groove and we may forget of all the things that the company provides both financially and mm. with a lot of small companies. So many benefits of flexibility that they can provide and um, and, and, and maybe a meshing of the, the value of the team, the feel of the team, the uh, entrepreneurial excitement of a small company and those sorts of things too. So I guess when we talk about value, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not just thinking, it's thinking beyond sal salary of what you provide your employees for everything they provide for you and making sure everyone understands everything that you're providing for each other. Cause we're all in it together and yeah. same with on the customer side. And, um, and then I do, you, you know, in the, in, in some of my courses, both MBA and with the CPAs, talking through analyzing, changing pricing to see how are we going to make more money or less money if we do the pricing. If if I so there's this massive fear. If I raise my price, I will lose all business. Mm. I bet that's not the truth. You are going to lose business. So do you know if you raise your price to X, how much business you can lose before your profits uh, mm. go down? And yeah. so it's helping walk through. So it's sometimes you have to size up the fear and say, okay, I know, I know there's a fear here. So let's put some numbers to this, engage yeah. the thinking part of us a little and see if we can, and see if like, no, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to lose that many customers and my price will go up. And, and so my profits go up and I may have actually freed up more time to sell other things or do sure. other things or, sure. you know, with a small business owner. So I don't have to work 60 hours a week. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, one last question I do want to ask on this front, because on the you said you work with a lot of advisors and coaches and things like that. Where is the biggest gap for them on working with their clients? And again, it could be value creation. It could be on the cash flow, but like where when they come in to work with you, they're like, man, this was seeing how to have a, this conversation with my clients, learning how to have this conversation with my clients really helping me bring even more value to them. Where are the, those type of people getting the most value when they partner with CFO Perspective? Well, I'm going to cover this. A lot of, actually, a lot of the education for CPAs happens through the continuing education sites. So okay. my courses are hosted on continuing education yeah. sites. Right. So I don't work with them directly on, on a lot of the, those people, but there's a massive change. And I think we should expect more from our uh, CPA advisors. Yeah. And and the and the big push is on advisory services. So it's so easy and and we kind of beat them down of I I need a tax return. So I go to the CPA and or whoever and I get the tax return and they tell me the price and then I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is crazy. I hate taxes. First place I have to pay taxes and two, I hate taxes and now I hate paying to pay for my the processing of my taxes. I mean, it's insult to injury. And um so we're driven them drove uh the CPAs down on on price on tax. Now these people look at all your financial statements. They look at all these other people's financial statements. Mm. They're pretty smart people when it comes to business. They have the opportunity to step beyond the number cruncher of yesterday to the strategic advisor to help you make decisions for tomorrow. And so really that's what my courses are to help the, uh, to help the, the people within companies, the CFOs, the financial analysts. Mm. help companies analyze the big decisions to help the CEO types and the, and uh, director of operation types and things like that. That was a lot of my career. Um, or it's to help the CPAs who've been traditionally audit, putting together financial statements for you, doing the bookkeeping, keeping the taxes. And now it's like, you know, computers do that. 
now it's like, you know, you, you've got this brain that you can use to help make your uh, clients better to really become that trusted advisor for your client. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's really asking financial decisions should always be forward facing forward looking to, for a better business, you know? So, you know, looking at your financial statements from yesterday is nice, but the question is what's that telling me that I need to decide for tomorrow. Right. And so it's always taking, looking forward, always looking through the windshield and not through the rearview mirror because all decisions are forward looking. And so that's really what I think as you work with your advisors, if you're a small business owner, you work with your CPA and things like that, tap into their knowledge and see if they're, um, and, and see if they're willing to go there with you. And, and, um, I'm hoping that the training I provide helps them help you. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did I not ask you about that you were hoping you would get to share with the audience today? I think we've covered it. I, the, the theme I always like to say is we're all in this together. I mean, we talk about business and all sorts of things, but when you talk about value creation, it's just, it's just the idea of, we're all helping each other out. We're helping our customers and our customers pay that. We're, our, our employees help us and we help them. And uh, the employees and, and at companies I worked at, employees care desperately about the customers too, just as yeah. much as owners. And, yeah. and um, so we're all in it together. And that's really kind of the theme I like to say in all of this. And I think small businesses, the beauty of a small business is it can be whatever you want it to be as the owner. And it can focus on whatever you want and you can design it so many different ways. And that's really the strategic financial uh, structuring that I like to help people think through is what do you really want from your business? And you can build, and how do we build a business model that works for you to build towards what you want and take care of everyone involved for business success? That's mm -hmm. that's really a theme I like to touch. Yeah. So Rob, if people want to get in touch with you, follow what you're doing, kind of keep up, maybe they need, maybe they're a coach who needs access to some of this, or maybe they're a business owner who needs the access or needs to get their advisor connected with you. What's the best way to do that? All right. I have a, a, the site for CFO Perspective is cfoperspective, all one word, dot com. And especially if you do cfoperspective.com slash tools, that'll take you straight to a bunch of free tools. But really on my site, if you just go to the site, I have lots of free videos, lots of articles, just lots and lots of info. In fact, my my marketing coach told me I'm putting too much free stuff on my site. So I have all <laughs> sorts of things on there to help small business owners and advisors uh, help small businesses succeed. Is your YouTube, because you were talking about your YouTube channel, yes. the education there, is it CFO Perspective or is it under Rob Stevens? Where do we find that? Yeah, uh, that's under CFO Perspective. You could go to YouTube and search for CFO Perspective. A lot of the videos that are on YouTube, uh, I actually have those on my site. I host those on Vimeo from my site. Got but it. yes, okay. it's all those videos. It's actually, uh, it, it's better to watch them on my site. So just go straight to my site to see those videos. They're, they're all the same. They're all the same videos with the exception of if you're interested in the better giving course that mm -hmm. is on YouTube and I didn't host it on my site. That was a bit of a labor of love. <laughs> um, we could probably talk. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. That's a passion of mine as well, but um, we've come to the end of the show. Yeah. At the end of the show, I always ask the same question. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this exact same question in three generations. What do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about Rob Stevens? Yeah, I think a lot of us pray probably once a day or once a week that, you know, God's kingdom comes mm -hmm. on earth like it is in heaven. And I, I hope that they look back and say, he, you know, he was a guy that kind of nudged us a little closer to um, 
making earth like it is on heaven and bringing God's mm-hmm. kingdom here. And that if, you know, a few, you know, if all of us, a few billion of us work on that together, a little bit of nudge here, a little bit of nudge there, uh, we'll be, we'll be bringing um, that kingdom here. That's beautiful. I love that. No one's given that answer before, but I really <laughs> like it. Rob, thank you so much for being on. This was such a joy. It was thank such you. a joy. Thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for being with us. We will begin with you again next time. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.